This is the Art of Warcast, a podcast about Legend of the Five Rings, the living card game from Fantasy Flight Games. Your hosts are Tobin Opus, Carl Anderton, and Doug Keister. Episode 49, Situational. All right, welcome. I'm Tobin Lopez. I'm Carl Anderson. I'm Doug Keister. What are we up to today, Carl? Well, as you might be able to hear from my air conditioning behind us, for the first time in the history of us, we're not in the same room and we're not interviewing someone. <sighs> Graduation weekend and work schedules have forced our hand, but we'll make the best of it. We'll cover our recent experiences, some random topics we've seen people asking about, we'll discuss movement, and if we have time, speculate on rotation. Let's get this remote party started. Yeah, yeah. So um, scheduling. There's graduation parties. It's it's. We're sitting here in the second weekend of May. Um, I had graduation functions. I attended in my official capacity as a as a member of the academic academic field. Uh, so I was on campus for like oh, about yeah twelve hours yesterday, just doing graduation stuff. And then uh, Doug and I both have celebrations this evening and this afternoon so we're doing this remotely instead of being coming to each other um, you arrived at the cafe in a, a, a not in a state of of, um, of disarray yourself but possibly mentally yesterday. yes <laughs> yeah i was <laughs> i was I really tired okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was a tired boy so what but but i want to share some of the news we have some news coming out of the gen con we finally got the uh this l5r related functions at gen con uh, there's, of course, a Cote. It's going to be only one day, and then it's going to cut to day two, and the one day is going to be Friday. And then they have a team event on Thursday, which is interesting. We have more detail on that? Well, we, all, we know it's a three-person team. Each person okay. plays uh, a different clan, mm-hmm. must play a different clan. And I think it's six rounds, and I think it's 16 teams, maybe Yikes. 32 teams. It, it wasn't too many. Yeah. Maybe it was only four rounds because it was I think it was 16 teams. So it was and, and you only have to buy one ticket for the team, 40 bucks. Um, and then that's that's all the detail we have. And then there is a which is an interesting piece. This is probably the more interesting one It's a roll free tournament on Sunday. So yeah. you get to pick any role. Yeah, I did see some early early pop-ups about that, and it's like, yeah. that's funky. I mean, uh, the, the whole um, team event bit made my multiplayer senses start um, tingling a little bit, but with yeah, three yeah, people, yeah. I think, less likely. That yeah. seems a little a bit funky to, to play out, but intriguing. And we've seen we've we've seen other FFG games have popular team stuff, not done by FFG. There's a big deal with the um, King of Servers stuff, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah, the Netrunner King of Servers was, was one of the most fun, most well-attended, most passionately played um events in netrunner history right those were those i think those took place over uh, three or four years around worlds um yeah no a huge deal so yeah, yeah. that's interesting to see and a role free tourney there's going to be some data <laughs> right? okay yeah. so, i yeah. like the role free tourney idea i'm a little surprised though that uh it's not a grand cote it is i think it is a grand cote it is oh, okay. yeah yeah, yeah. it is such, a grand yeah. cote so just Gen-, Gen Con Cote is big, big enough sounding apparently. Yeah, so, yeah. Know. Well, I, I, I have it in Gen Con is in our notes as Gen Con Cote, but it's uh, I think it's a Grand Cote. And 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 one one thing I might uh, might illuminate for those of you who don't know, for those who have a podcast, uh, you can get a press pass um, for free. <laughs> Uh, it it includes early entry into the dealer floor, so you the press actually get an get, get onto the dealer floor an hour earlier than everybody else. There's one special door that you have to go in, and you, there is a bit of a rush, but you still have you're, you're less you're fewer people. The catch is is that you need to get your press pass that morning, so you need to sit in line and get your press pass like Carl early. did when you were there a couple of years ago, right? Early. Yeah, so get there uh, early, but but just if you want to save some money and maybe if you want to get into the dealer room fast, uh, anybody with a podcast whose name maybe rhymes with Schmay might might be interested in knowing that they can get a free pass in an hour and in and an early an hour in uh, what in an hour early. Wow, that was hard for me to say. <laughs> so Shay, this for you. I, I heard your latest episode and you're going to Gen Con, so I wanted to share that bit. Um, and for those of you who are doing any podcast, like whether it be Keyforge or anybody else who's listening in our audience, be aware of that. And Carl, what did you do? You 
put in a press pass there's, application yeah, or something? There's a, there's a, a, it's been a while, but the last time I looked at it, there was a simple link that said, you know, apply for a media, media application kind of thing. It was like, hey, you know, who, who are you? What are you part of? Send the info through. Yeah. And, and apparently they'd heard of us because, yeah, that works. So that, that was yeah, a yeah. very, very fast turnaround. So yeah, I, I, I was relatively late. I mean, we weren't sure I was going to be there for some time. So I was kind of late in the year when I did that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think with podcasts, you only get one pass with, with actual, you know, press kind of people you might get more but yeah. with podcasts well, i think you get it's one. one person per podcast yeah yeah, yeah. Seen. yeah so so that's some information for you like i wanted to talk we've we've been playing not necessarily with with one another i've missed the last couple nights at total escape but i've been playing some online and what do you what do we think in the masters of the court world what what are your playing experience i, I tell you i had a hard time with Shiro Shinjo, I was playing that. I played about twenty games of Shiro Shinjo, maybe won one. That yeah, that one I was, was not say, agreeing uh, with my play style. I think. Yeah, uh, Crane is Crane has done, done exactly what we expected. Has turned from that's kind of strong to um, yeah, that's now a, a thing, shall we say? Yeah, you know, Crane, Crane, Crane is definitely a thing. I mean, I don't, <laughs> it's a weird one because I don't think it spiked a whole lot from Masters, but I think it was. I think it's riding a, a wave that was already there. You know, in the kind of the same way that the um, the Scorpion packet, Scorpion and Scorpion were already going pretty damn high on the on the Zenith, right? Well, the, I think Crane are kind of uh, a lot of people trying them out, a lot of people doing crazy stuff alongside just making dueling bully everyone into oblivion. So, well, yeah, but you know, now we might not be using a lot of the Masters of the Court stuff, but we're using the Stronghold. That's the big yeah, deal, yeah. right? Yeah. That's yeah, the big deal. A lot of people, um, I, I wasn't aware of their sentiment of like going, yay, finally, don't have to use the basic crane one. And I always found the original crane to be such a play, pain to play against. But then again, maybe I have a lot of um, small poll people that don't want to get hit. But, you know. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, it's, you can, you, it's, it's fairly easy to play around give, if you have the cards to do it, right? If yeah, you don't, exactly. if you haven't planned to play a lot of crane, you get out of practice, and all of a sudden you rush in with a political, with one political strength, and they just immediately bow you, and you're like, "Oh, well, that was a waste. I didn't even get it a fake from yeah, the ring." Crane right now can be pretty, <laughs> pretty tough opponent. Uh, the duels are hard with the new with with the new stronghold it makes them worse, and if uh, Daidoji Uji hits the table, it's sick. Yeah, yeah. Well, Uji is Uji is strong. But what I discovered, I was playing Shiro Shinjo, as I mentioned, and I played a couple Crane players, and they played the Takamori, the 0-0-3 glory reaction. When you play a Crane character, you may choose a character controlled by your opponent with equal or less fate cost than the character you played. That character cannot be declared as a defender or attacker this phase, this round right like you just like lock that person out and they have to have movement tricks to get in and out of a conflict and yeah, I, mean, I tell you when he when he hit the table against me i was locked out i was like this sucks i can't do anything like i got i have two spy glasses on this character and he can't move in or out of the conflict and, and that's a fun <laughs> ability too because it's so controllable by the user you know, you're like, oh, okay, look at the fate levels okay i can i've got a solid idea of what he's going to affect blam down he comes yeah you know? yeah now you can play around him a little bit, but it's it can be hard because he reacts to himself, mm-hmm. right? So the crane player can just delay, delay. They they either play him early, and then, and then um, don't choose, right? And then eventually play somebody and and negate your player, or they play him. They play early people, forcing you to play your people, and then you finally play him. Takamori, and then blank out somebody, and then restrict somebody else that you've played already. So it's it's a it, it is, I, and for that reason alone, I like playing that character. I've played some I, because I went to Crane. I'm like, okay, screw this Shiro Shinjo stuff. I gotta <laughs> play. I gotta play something that I'm at least familiar with, and that guy looks cool. So let's play him. <laughs> and it took five iterations of the deck, but I finally started winning. Yeah. Interesting to see how um how. Moving parts controlly Crane has turned out to be. Like Scorpion is fairly direct. You can't do stuff. You've lost you you've lost you're you're on you've you're dishonored or you can't that guy's been killed or you, you cancel that thing. But Crane is much more sort of like, no, because of this and this and this and this, you could do a whole bunch of stuff, but you can't, or you don't want to. Or, right. Or it's not working anymore. Well, know? and there's all kinds of little and, and and it's the the crane deck I'm playing is kinda janky, right? There's not 
There's not a lot of jank in it, but there's a lot of little tricks I can do. <laughs> like I have Kikita Kaizen in a duel with, with you know, three other people, and I'm like, you know what? I'm losing this. Heck, let's duel. I'll go home and get and, and won't get bowed, and I'll get honored via the stronghold, and then I'll come out swinging on the next on the next go round. And that's well, a that's the thing, big though, thing. Is that they don't necessarily need to win every duel anymore. Yeah. They're getting effects that are just participated in. Yeah, yeah it's, it's and it's an interesting one there, right? Because like it's turning, it's turning the dueling stuff into more of an interesting mechanism, and maybe even getting a little bit of that the whole non-drawing five meta we're talking about, messing with people's dials. Some take you, you're gonna do a duel anyway, so bid something weird to see if the opponent gets his dial somewhere funky. You know, take advantage mm -hmm. of that. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still I'm still pondering a little bit of that with the heavy heavy dishonor end of things I've been on with Scorpion. Yeah. Looking, looking at the few duels and tricks available to me and going, eh, is it worth going? Yes, I've got this huge duel I'm going to go for, and I bid one. Yeah, and... Just feel like get a few points off. One of the things that I, I've I've noticed playing this crane deck is the honor goes from all... all goes all over the place, right? <laughs> Mine might be at six one turn, and then two turns later, I'm at 16. Yep. Right? And I'm like, oh, that's... And I'm like, oh, this is cool. You know, sometimes it's gotten really, really low, and I'm like, okay, this like this sucks. Like what ha which is what happens when one player has no, basically no honor, right? You're like, oh yeah, this sucks. Otherwise, it's a very dynamic thing. Like I had at one point, I looked down and I'm like, oh, I have tw on Jigoku, of course, because you're not physically handling that stuff. And you look down and you're like, oh, everybody just went away. They were all honored, and I have 22 honor. Hmm. look at that <laughs> you know so so it, it really is a fun deck to play and um lo and behold it's actually i'm actually able to win with it more often than not so that's also fun um what so you've been playing have you been playing anything carl um i've been watching stuff more than anything else seeing what people up to i've been yeah. doing a little bit of um uh what do you call it goldfish 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 bowling my stuff you know mm -hmm. like and and not not got a chance to hit it up um i'm trying to think i think i've ended up on a, a hybrid deck that was definitely looking good and i've seen a few other people playing the same sort of deal a yeah. strong shinobi edge on the fairly standard deck now and right now the standard scorpion deck is that crane dishonor the crane um, sacrifice it's yeah the, I've, the, the kb deck you mean you by yushi yeah, uh, yeah. No, no we're playing on playing on city the open hand oh city Oh, yeah, I played so. some KB decks that have Crane Splash, and oh, they're doing Mark well. of Shame. I mean, why not right now, right? Okay, they're doing Mark of Shame, uh, Soul Beyond Reproach. They're doing no, that. Yeah, I mean, the, the main one I've been hitting up is keeping that um, uh, From the Shadows Shinobi mm -hmm. engine mm -hmm. and just adding that into the fairly normal, fairly fairly standard, in inverted commas, Scorpion setup and taking advantage of the fact that we've got Keeper on air now. So Yeah, yeah. Double, double air, I think, stuff like that. Yeah, interesting. Doug, what about you? Well, I'm uh, still on Phoenix. I've been playing around with a few different things. Uh, I was trying a few oddball cards, which uh, haven't really done much for me. So, so far, uh, Chukan Nobui isn't really living up to my hopes for her, unfortunately. Oh, the is that the discard? You, you can't, can't uh, discard? The opponent's card effects cannot cause you to discard. Uh, yeah. That one. yeah, well, it's a yeah. defensive card, right? So it, yeah. it is. It's not as good as I was hoping. Yeah. yeah, relying on people playing that stuff against you, right? Oh, yeah, bigger the meta. So. Well, and with the nerf to Resto, that was the biggest reason for having her in the deck. Oh yeah, so. totally. Yeah, a fair point actually. That is, she's the perfect poke if you're expecting that. So yeah, <laughs> you know. And I'm going back to Tadako. <laughs> oh yeah, there's no way. This like I I played uh, Tadaka of the of the games I've lost with the Crane deck. I think I've played about. 10 and i've lost either three or four and either all of them or three of them have been all uh, one was against dragon and everything else has been phoenix and it was tadaka like tadaka absolutely locks out crane he's yeah it doesn't matter like that earth ring being like oh my god the guy what did he do he was first player he went earth ring first got so it was contested Right. So obviously I can't play anything and I've got a hand of eight. I've got a hand of 10 cards. Eight of them I cannot play. Right. There's all kinds of copies. There's the second and third copy of cards that are in the discard. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't do this. And yeah, then he's still good. Oh, yeah. And then at the end of the turn, he plays Holdness of the World. So he retains the Earth Ring. 
it doesn't return to the unclaimed pool. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, all right then. And then he draws Sol- Sol- and then Solemn Scholar flops for him. And I'm like, okay, I, I give good game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that particular card there—that's that, the kind of reaction I was expecting once Togarth got hit at all. Which is like, now we have to do, now we have to do something about this to make him work. But right, still, right. You know. And it's still—it's it, yes, you need to draw wholeness of the world. It's but you those do, you don't have to do much. And then you, yeah, <laughs> yeah oh my god. But but the only one I've seen, I was watching a really brief uh, online one, and um, uh, first turn. Phoenix goes first, grabs Earthring, charges in to display a power on the opposing Scorpion side. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And that's that's about the only, like, ow, well, fine, okay. You know, that, one, that, one, that one's not going great for you, but hey. You know. Yeah. I I even managed to use Takamori to shut down Tadaka from entering, from being declared an attacker or defender in one of those games, and it didn't matter. <laughs> like it, like Tadaka was like, oh yeah, I'm coming with Earth with my little weenies, and I'm like, okay, I still can't yeah, do anything. Passive effect, still, you can just chill yeah. out, right? Yep. If there's one weakness to that crane deck, is not having enough Shugenja to reliably run Cloud the Mine so that you can cloud him. But even so, then, it's there's let goes. Yeah. And, so Tadaka is still a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. The nerf is that I thought it was going to actually have more effect than it has had. Yeah, uh, I guess. So I underestimated that. Um, so yeah, he's it's the new RL is effectively a ban on ETV and uh, secluded shrine. Yeah, I still think. Do you think Tadaka is still the best character in the game? There's an argument there to be made that yes, he still is. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I'd go with I'd go with he's amongst the strongest because he's still situational. Yes, yeah. almost almost all the time everyone wants to play events, right? But there are definitely cases where you've got stuff on the board where events are not going to matter half as much as the guys you've got. Right. So he has a, a solid weakness, which is play better dudes, you know, have better actions in play. Right. Yeah, but no, no doubt about it, he's, am- he's amongst the strongest in the game. Right. It's Cards like Hida Kasada are still really strong. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's just really uh, so, good. Yeah. So there's... The, there it brought him down a little bit to a more equivalent power level with the other most powerful cards in the game, but he still may be just, you know, a little bit above all those. Yeah. Maybe so. Yeah. But definitely the nerf definitely pulled him closer into line to other big auto choices. So right. Big favorite choices. I think that's the thing. I don't think he's automatic anymore. I don't think he's a no brainer to play. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, like I mean, I, I'm not talking deck deck design. I'm talking using him. Like, you do have to actually have to be okay. I have to go and do these things with the Earth Ring. I have to put some focus in to actually control it. I don't just fire and forget. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So, gotcha. I mean, yeah. I. I mean, as a as a deck builder, if I was playing Phoenix, it'd be three Tadakas. I mean, it would oh, yeah. just I mean, just yeah. would. Yes. The, now, yeah. Uji Uji's approximating that. He like if you get an Uji, if the Crane player gets an Uji out with. Uh, and honors him pretty quick. You can just like just literally skip the dynasty phase, and you have to protect Uji. You have to make sure he stays honored. But man, alive! Wow, it's not it's not too difficult in this environment to do so. Uh, I played a couple lion folks, and lion um, is str- strong against them. But man, there's there's still the the whole like just get people for cheaper. At any time, (laughs) including the ones in your hand. Like, the ones in your hand aren't actually cheaper. The ones on your dynasty, on your provinces, are the ones that are cheaper. So that's the irony, right? I mean, there's a good one there. How um, how, how have you guys been seeing lions since we've got got through into the the brave new world of the strange rules? I haven't seen a lot of lion. I've played a couple of folks online. Uh, One game didn't go his way, so I didn't... It wasn't very long. Mm -hmm. Um... I just drew the nuts, and I'm, I think he conceded turn two. So yeah. it's kind of a bummer, but but I didn't see much. Um, I'm seeing some of the standard stuff, you know, the political guy who has covert, uh, Lions Pride Baller, Kitso Spirit Caller. I, I think they're running Charge more. Charge, charge yeah. seems to be their uh, RL card of, of choice still. I will, I will still, I will still not forget you going like charge turn one for my shinobi stuff. At the, the yeah. Like, really? Like, that's, yeah. that's the play style. Yeah. So. And then, and then unicorn is, is I think while Shiro Shinjo still is a thing that people are experimenting with. I haven't seen anybody solve it 
yet. Like, I, I lose against it. I, I was losing against it quite a bit, even if it was a mirror match. But HMT is still a thing. Man alive. Yeah, uh, HMT still seems to be the province of choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stronghold oh, of yeah. choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, no great shock. Also, because I think a lot of people got that strongly in the mind. Everyone's been like, "Yep, yeah, that's that's the the the." When we started to pick up playing these decks and getting them going, you know, people have gone, "Hey, you know, this is the one we'll learn how to use." You know, it's certainly not tra- um It's interesting to see. There's not. I don't think there's a whole lot of tactical variance on what people are doing with that one. No, it's a bad thing. Just that there's a very very solid technique tied to it. So. And HMT is the more straightforward to play. Yeah. yeah. Well, some people are playing Lion. And some people are playing like Jason's playing Phoenix Splash. Some people are playing Lion Splash. Um, yeah. I've even seen what was it? Was it Crane? Uh, I don't know if it was Crane or not. It was. I thought maybe maybe Crab. I've seen various splashes. So they are people are experimenting, which is great. Um, yeah, yeah, stuff is going yeah. on, you know. So, uh, but Carl, you wanted to talk about something that you saw on Reddit. Someone, uh, one of the one of our listeners, I think, uh, fighting Walloon. Yeah, uh, asking one of the uh, one of the oldest questions we have, right? The, <laughs> yes. the, one, the one that we have, one that we've had to answer since we first picked up a card. Right? Yep. Yep. What, what do, do you, you do when you're when losing? You're what do you do when you're behind? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one, right? Because yep. it, it's it. Not to take the, the wide view. This is definitely an interesting discussion depending on what game you play. I mean, I, I was going to make a joke earlier when you were talking about us doing recording this online. Let's make a joke about um, let's do this cyberpunk episode because we it's like not like we're never talking about Netrunner on here, you know. <laughs> and Netrunner is a classic example of a game that's well designed to work when you're behind, you know. That the yeah. occasional random poke is something your opponent can't just let be, so you can pressure people. You know, um, what I find myself the reason I want to bring this up is that there's there's definitely two solid game modes in L5R. In fact, there's three. I'd say. There's the opening part of the game where you don't know what's going on and you're tentatively prodding, right? What provinces? What's he got in hand? What's he going to play? You know, the the mm-hmm. the, 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 the slow the slow build up, the uh, the cautious approach, right? And then there's either I seem to be ahead. Let's go. Let's go and follow my game plan. And then there's I do not seem to be ahead. How do I handle this? I think like you do you. I think you tend to end up in both those modes, even in a good game. Personally, there are definite conflicts where you're all because. I find I'm wandering off um, subject a little bit here, but the big deal I find is you approach each conflict differently depending on on how you're doing, right? Right. You play losing, you play losing conflicts and winning conflicts. Right. And the, and the winning conflict is the I throw things forward and I do my charging and I follow my plan, or or even better than that, it's the I don't I don't declare anyone I chill out, right? Mm-hmm. And in a losing conflict, it become for me it becomes much more of a very 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 precise numbers game. I think that's when, I, when I'm losing. That's what I'm doing. I'm going okay. Exactly how much is this costing me, and exactly how much is this costing my opponent? Because all of a sudden I have to eke out every point of fate, every point of honor, every point of skill, right? Every dude you put out there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and then the other, the other, the other part of like my my reply to all that is when I'm losing is when I then try the janky combos. This is not this is not something I'd normally try and get to work, but it can get me an edge. It can surprise my opponent. It can get that exchange that 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 number counting i'm doing to work out a little better mm-hmm. right so let's try something a little less likely to always succeed something relying on the on top decking something particular or something relying on my opponent not playing a particular card more than normal right right i'll, I'll gamble i'll gamble on not hitting um cancels if i'm behind right because at that point mm-hmm. cancels not gonna make your life any worse right right <laughs> <laughs> so may as well, may as, that's when i'll that's when i'll launch i'll launch a fate worse than death without knowing if the opponent's played a single center or whatever come on let's see what he goes for you know okay and and so so you're 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 a little bit more deliberate like when when i'm playing i guess when i'm when i feel i'm behind i'm wondering okay do i declare a conflict okay and there's a and what the first thing i look for is is there a fate on rings that i can gain and if i go here uh is it a, is if I if I attack that province is it that a bad thing for me? Am I gonna have is it gonna have a lasting effect for me or is it gonna have a lasting positive effect for my opponent? Or is it pilgrimage and I'm just gonna go get the fate and see what happens? And maybe if he doesn't block, if she doesn't block, I have an opportunity to break with bonsai or who knows what. But you're you're looking to just eke out 
every small gain you can whenever you can without spending too much money, without spending too much resource, whether it be cards or honor or fate. Right. Yeah, it's it's the it's the drowning analogy. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're fighting for every breath at that point, so you make sure that you're aware of how much each breath might cost you. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's the kind of thing I'm talking about is where I might I might be in a situation of um, provinces are a big one. If you do have an early, get behind early. Like trying to figure out what provinces might be on the table suddenly becomes far more critical than just plowing one dude into a random thing. You know. Yeah. Become, yeah. Le- become less likely to poke and more likely to go. Well, I think it's this over there. So. Mm-hmm. You know, from the sound of this, I think what it says is when we're losing, we suddenly start trying to play sensibly. <laughs> Maybe well, that's what we're saying. Maybe that's what we're saying here, right? You know, all, the, all the high-end players are going, we do that all the time. <laughs> you know, like. you, yeah, you should play sensibly from the very start. <laughs> I very rarely feel ahead, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, um, if, you, if you're not sure what that feels like, I can share yeah. you that, man. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> basically... You know, when you're behind, yeah, you know, you guys have got some good points, you know, but it, it becomes imperative that you really think about what you're doing, what cards are getting played, you know, what the, what the board state really is. You know, yeah. you have to be more focused on what you're doing and what your opponent's doing uh, in response. Yeah, yeah, like, like, um, I, I definitely find I'm starting to worry a lot more about where the what if trees are going. Well, hold on, this could lead to this and lead to that, and could it could be ending the turn with, you know, here's here's one for you. I don't pay as much attention as I should to who's going to claim win glory and claim claim the ring, claim the um, favorite end around. Was that, that right? Yeah, I, oh. I am bad at that. I don't know what it is. It's just one of those deals. I, I rarely paying full attention to it. Um, and then when when I go behind though, then it becomes a deal of like, oh god, he's going to get the favor for thinking again next turn. Oh crap. You know, yeah, that, that definitely pops up there because mm-hmm. that's one of those big ones that easily snowballs, right? Just getting a plus one stat to each of that type of conflict. However right. You're playing, right. That becomes rough fast. You know. Right. Not even accounting for century or anything like that. So. Yeah, like when when they have the fa- when they don't have the favor, you're like, okay, century's off the board. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, exactly. but yeah. then uh, you know voice of honor and forge edict and some of those other cancels are definitely on the board uh given the situation yeah you definitely have to think about okay if i do this action now what's my opponent going to do in response what's what are the likely outcomes yeah rather rather than the yeah that's a good point actually because i would definitely mention that when you're losing when you're winning you go if i play this card what am i doing next if you're losing, you go, if I play this card, what does my opponent do? And I think that's a big, I think you've, you've hit on a point, that's a big mental swing for me. When I'm losing, it becomes much more about my opponent's plan than mine, because all of a sudden I can't enact mine, right? Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting point. Yeah, a darn, a darn big one, I think, because I, I think that's the, the best defining of my experience. When I'm winning, it's just play the game out, cool. You know, when I'm ahead, right? Yeah, particularly, obviously, Scorpion stuff. Once you're rolling, you snowball pretty well, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not you got you got control of things and keep it rolling. Interesting. Yeah, Phoenix is kind of like that too. If if you're ahead as Phoenix, you're gonna get rolling, and the snowball builds into an avalanche. Yeah, pretty yeah, quickly. exactly. Yeah, I mean, totally so, right? Particularly with the amount of like counter counter and control you have there. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So if you're behind, it's. You know, you start looking for every, you know, handhold to scrabble up, you know, and to get uh, above your opponent so you can start the snowball rolling again. Yeah. I mean, there's a good question to you guys. Do you ever build deck build on the assumption you'll be losing at some point? Where does it sound? Have you ever built something to, to, to make it so you can turn things around suddenly? So I think there are a few cards in the game that lend themselves to that. Obvious Scorpion one with um, Fate Worse to Death. You know, pay, pay for Fate, negate somebody. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I do that. I. I think I play with defense in mind, so to that end, right, being able to defend yourself once you're down, is important. But I don't think about this will help me come from behind. I think about er, I think about early game and late game and mid game cards. Mm-hmm. Right. If it's an early game card coming late game, it sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not going to help me. Yeah, right? totally. Um, so that was one of the things in Shiro Shinjo that I was wrestling with was the, um, the the character that gets plus two plus two when you're in a combat 
in which the province was revealed, the opponent's province was revealed, right? And you're like, well, that's a great like first one turn, maybe first, second, third turn card. But once a fourth turn comes with Shiro Shinjo, hopefully you revealed all five and that character is a 2-1. It's, it's kind of blank. So, you, you that, but that's what experimentation does. That's what playing with these oh, things yeah, totally. does, right? So I never think about this will help me come from behind. Mm-hmm. I think about, okay, this is a, this is a good, resilient card. Like the card that makes my my uh, characters more resilient, and that's kind of why I like playing crab, right? It's because totally. uh, you get the reprieve, and you're like, okay, that character's that that's been struggling to stay afloat now will stay afloat, and all their people will go away, and I have my big bad tower. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I think most of your power cards in your faction are possibly come from behind cards they're also can they also can be sort of win more cards swingies yeah 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 so it's not so much building the deck for you know coming from behind or whatever it's leveraging the tools that i have in my toolbox at the time to improve my position yeah, because like if, if if we're talking about being in a bad position, basically, we're probably talking about a situation where you have less than you would like in play. So in some ways, we always kind of debt build for this, right? We debt build for cards that do good stuff on their own and can synergize with other cards well. So they're ones that work well in those situations. So okay, honestly, I'm I'm, I'm really just spitballing stuff out here. I've got to admit, this is this has become a far more interesting <laughs> <laughs> question than I expected. I'm like, yeah, yeah interesting thought. So yeah, if you deck build well. Most good deck building should help you when you fall behind because that's basically how it should work, right? Every card in every card in your deck is good. Mm-hmm. Situation, you know. So, yeah, yeah, and when 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 you aren't able to be resilient is when you were getting behind, and then those early game cards, those those optimally early early game cards come up. Yeah. When you're like, I don't need early game cards. I need mid game and late game cards. I oh, this sucks. Like Way of Crane, right? Like Way of Crane isn't necessarily win more, but it, it's a win. It helps you win. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, where, you know the way ofs are are oftentimes. Let me think about this. Are the way ofs for the most part help you win? Rather than rather than rather dis- than disable your opponent, yeah. Rather than disable them, your opponent, some of them like more more obliquely. I mean, the scorpion one is if you take in dishonor, right? It's a debuff that can help you win a dishonor win. So right. yes, right. Wave lion, wave unicorn. Eh, wave unicorn isn't so much. It can help. Wave phoenix is definitely the probably the weakest of them all. Yeah, it's not a gold duck. Wave dragon. Yeah, so there's a there's a power difference among those way ofs, for sure. That's <laughs> why we see some of them a lot and some we don't. That's why I ended up with six six copies of the um, full art <laughs> Kiku Matsuri um, Scorpion. Yeah, here's a yes. thought. Here's here's something that's interesting. Now it would have to be the mirror match, but would if you're if you're a Phoenix player and you're predicting a lot of Phoenix, would you would way of Phoenix be a thing? To say you can't declare Earth. Yes. Yeah. If you, but but you would have to you would have to expect a lot of Phoenix, right? It would it would boost Tadaka, uh, because you're you're telling your opponent that you can't do Earth or you can't do Void or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it needs more cards like Tadaka that care a heck of a lot about what rings up and running. Not necessarily the same ring, I'd say, for right. it to make it into a deck solidly. Right. Yeah, because otherwise it's just a nice little trick, right? It's not a, not the biggest deal ever. But, <clears throat> well, if you know what your opponent's gonna go for, what and, they really need, yeah, yeah, what the, what the, what sort of the linchpins in their strategy are ring wise, it could be a good card. Yeah, but there's a reason why the why the Phoenix players don't play it. <laughs> well, I'm gonna say let's be blunt. The, the big Phoenix problem there is what the hell do you cut for it? Right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, I mean, the Scorpion by a viewpoint has it easy. It's such a solid card in all six situations. But yeah, we'll take we'll take Way of Scorpion all day long. Joking. Right. Very 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 rarely see it taken out of the deck. But. Right. Way of Scorpion is it is it standard three of? I would think so. Depends. Some of the Shinobi ones go two of less. They're a little less concerned. Oh, okay. Pokey okay. people. 
Yeah, but yeah, but almost every deck is three odds because we, you know, it's so damn good. Makes okay, them, cool. Makes the mirror match fun though. So. Yeah. Now the we didn't address it last time, um, but there the the news came down. Uh, right around the release of the Masters of the Court here in the States, that the UK, and only the UK, a lot of the Euro- other European countries have received Masters of the Court, but only the UK is not getting Masters of the Court in time for Birmingham, which is a cote at the UK Games Expo um, in late May, I think, in about a week as we sit here. And that sucks. Uh, it's I can't... Yeah. I, I'm... You know, there was a post by Darren Hazelton, who who's one of the Troll Five R hosts, and he was basically saying like, "This is this is ludicrous," um, and he was really upset. and And I can only imagine what it would be like to to have like, "Oh yeah, here's here's a." Can you imagine the state of Colorado? Oh yeah, by the way, Colorado, you're not going to have this, and everybody else is going to play it, and they're going to be playing it online and. It's going to suck, and you're going to play in this really weird meta where the restricted list is active, but you don't have the cards. <laughs> They're shaping it, yeah. It's a, it's a weird one. Yeah, it's a weird one. I'd love to know why. I I think it's easy to blame it on things like the older uh, Europe versus UK Brexit stuff and all that, you know, mm-hmm. all, the, all, the, all the uncertainty thrown in by that, but who the heck knows, right? It's, right. It's a funky well, one. And here's the thing. I, I agree with Darren. He... he uh, talks about several things that are really really upset him i think the leading one of which uh and the one i agree with the most is that they there's never an apology right ffg never says you know we're making a commitment to make this better we apologize for the inconvenience and and sadness this caused any i mean they don't have to take the, the an apology implies uh, that they're taking accountability, and they should be doing that. It's a it's a thing with their processes. Whether they can control it or not, it's internal to them. And I agree that uh, FFG missed an opportunity here. They should be apologizing. They should be apologizing in some form or fashion FFG for the is crappiness. Not great at communication. Yeah, they, they never have been. Yeah. You know that well. You know you should be lucky you get what you do. Is I guess sort of the the, the modus operandi there. Yeah. It's it's an interesting one. I mean, with large corporate stuff, and this is what we're talking about on, on that scale at least. I never find apologies to be all that big a deal because they always seem a little bit empty to me. Um, if they were to turn, I'm I'm more annoyed than turning around and not telling us what they're doing to fix the problem. You know, here's here's yeah, here's, that here's too. Solutions, you that know. too. Yeah, I mean that—that that to me is the more more meaningful part of it. But yeah, I get that. I get the I get the emotional connection to being at least told, "Yeah, we messed up. Our bad. Sorry." You know. Yeah. I mean, I, I work for a company that does that on a regular basis, and not because we mess up the whole time, but because we're just our our customer relations are always pretty upfront. Right, and and you don't have to do scales. it all the time. And if you did it all the time, if you said sorry at the drop of a hat, then yeah. any additional apology would be worth less yeah. and less right diminishing returns yeah. so you yeah. don't do it when you don't really like when the effect isn't that great but when it's significant like in the, in this case and maybe that's where they missed the ball maybe they didn't yeah. realize how significant this would be to the players and you issue an apology you have you have apologetic you know, language in that in that announcement and that buys you a little bit more credibility but you don't use it like willy-nilly yeah. um but there's a very you make a fair point that yeah i don't think ffg have or at least they don't appear to have realized how much of a big deal this is so right and that's, that's that's that is quite reasonable and we're saying ffg because we don't know who's responsible here right like we all have friends who work for the company and any one individual would uh, would most likely say yeah we're really sorry about that because yeah. that's the individual's conversational style Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But when you're uh, when you're a uh, body public, a body of business, and you're putting together a statement for release to the to the public, yep, sometimes yep. those sometimes those terms don't don't come come to the forefront, and that's unfortunate. There's, there's also a, a bit of a flip side to that. In the corporate world, sometimes saying nothing is better than saying something. Because as soon as you open your mouth, you open yourself up to possible lawsuits or other actions against you. Yeah, or, or at least a more more negative feeling, right? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Totally. 
Yeah. Sometimes apologizing makes the situation worse. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I don't think that's the case here, but but, but still, yes. Yeah. Okay, so let's but let's move the on. Corporate mentality. Yeah, yes, yeah. precisely. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are lawyers involved that say you can say this, you can't say that. For you know, and just flat never flat. say the following things. Exactly. Yeah. No. 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 No consideration of the situation. Just saying. Nope. That's it. You don't do that. Right. Yeah, no, totally. I get what you're saying. Right. Yeah, right. It's it never makes never feels good, but it's a reasonable part of understanding why they seem to be doing something that, that doesn't make any sense to us. So. All right, so we have two larger topics remaining here. One is speculation, so we'll leave that to the end. But the first one is movement. So so we had uh, Chris from the J Throne podcast, also known as FroTop, Chris Podorf. He reached out to us and, and asked us to talk about movement and uh, cards like Retreat, which was a one-cost uh, action, a neutral uh, event in... Um, Masters of the Court that allows you to move in, move out, move a character in or out of a conflict. Actually, uh, let's move out. It's move out of the conflict, right? Oh, move on specifically. Yeah. Why does it? Why? So he was he was really wrapping his he couldn't wrap his head around why these movement events specifically are costing fate, right? And um, so I said, yeah, sure, we can attack that. I I think that they're being overcosted. I, I kind of tend to agree with him as I think they're overcosted. But then I put the question to you two and, and let's talk about that. Are the designers aware of something that we're not aware of? Are they are they playing in have they played games where movement is a big deal and so they're trying to limit its power and it just so happens that the community hasn't discovered the power of movement mm -hmm. so yeah, i was talking to you about this about the other day yeah my my impression on movement stuff is you can compare it to unbarring a character it's recycling a guy right a good movement trick should allow you to get into a conflict get some certain amount of cost spent on your opponent's side whatever it is and then change your mind in inverted commas call someone out and have them able to attack and defend again later in the, in the turn which is a a weaker version of the unbow effect mm -hmm. because the unbow effect allows you to stay to the end of the conflict, resolve the conflict, and then have that person attack or defend again right. later in the round. Right. So is it, is it the, is it a bit of the um, FFG mind game? <laughs> they like, they, they, <laughs> they over cost effects that make you pe make people go, well, I'm not sure what they're going to do. Yeah. Cause we, cause one of the other things I said to yourself as well was a lot of the other movement effects are completely explicit, like a favorable ground. Favorable ground is sat there in play, going at some point during this round, it is possible that someone may move, or move, move in or move out of this conflict. Right, and, and there's work on that basis. And yeah. there's a there's a cost there, but it's not a paid cost, right? It's a cost yeah. of having of not having a character in that province. Uh, yeah. It's a paid cost of having that telegraphed. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, you know, it, so you harpoon characters and har the, all those all those cards that are on the table are telegraphed, and you can take a reaction against them. You can even even uh, you know, a uh, I, I don't know if there's an attack. Well, Hawk Tattoo moves yeah. somebody in, right? And there's that's unavoidable. But there's a um, formal invitation, which is a yeah. crane card. You attach it to somebody with glory power, uh, a glory two or better, and you can take an action to move that character into political conflict. If I have that in my hand, I play that. It's a free attachment. I play it. My opponent still has an opportunity to get rid of that attachment somehow. So that I can't move in. Yeah, but even right. on that level of, um, of of prepping it as an action is fairly short on the on the warning, right? I mean, favorable ground. Someone flicks favorable ground from the dynasty phase. You're thinking, oh, you know. Right, right, and but but what I'm saying is that even that even the attachment has an opportunity for the uh, opponent to go no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So right. They have reaction, and yeah. an event. Yes, there are cancels for an event, but. There, if you don't have a cancel, there's no opportunity for your opponent to go, oh, crap, right? You just pulled out. And so, Carl, in our conversation, I mentioned there's HMT, which gives uh, Lion and Unicorn, Lion to a lesser extent, uh, an additional conflict. And then there's the, uh, the crane event that allows you to duel someone and get an additional political conflict. Mm -hmm. What if that's what it is? What if the bait and switch of 
having somebody declare you, I de- as Crane, I declare military, right? And I come in, and I maybe get a fade or two off the rings, and I force you to commit because you want to protect your magistrate station or you want to protect something valuable, valuable province. And then I get that additional political because I challenge you to a duel, and then I retreat. So you've committed to these people. You've committed to the defense. You've succeeded in getting the ring, but I still have that conflict because the real price that you're paying when you're retreating from a conflict, especially if you're the attacker, is that you don't get to declare another conflict. So if you can replace that conflict, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. Right? I think that might be what we're missing. If there's anything, that's the one piece where you're like, ah, because of the, the, what you said with the unbowing. Yeah, I mean, if this is this is the um, ever since I first saw the card, I've always thought of this as the smoke and mirrors tactic. This is the shinobi, the master shinobi charges in. Your opponent is forced to respond. You call them, you go, ha, psych, call them back, and 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 do do what you actually wanted to do after having got, got a load of his guys committed and bowed, right? I mean, yeah, that's the kind of trick. And when you add in the fact that you're not even paying a conflict to do that, where you could make a political as crane to do that kind of trick, pull your guys back, and then make another political that you're actually going to win. Mm-hmm. With no, with no real reasonable opposition. Yeah, that's a huge mm-hmm. deal, isn't it? Yeah. So there's, there's, the, and you are still getting that with the Bow effects, to be fair. Yeah, I hadn't really noticed the whole um, paid event version of all this. I, I, I'd focused a lot on the when I was talking to you on the characters and and uh, holdings that can do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. but look at the flip side of it also. There's, you know, not as many cards that do it, but you know, harpooning characters into conflicts. Now, yeah. is is kind of a thing and that you know moving anything in or out is a powerful effect and if one used appropriately really puts your uh, your opponent at a disadvantage yeah i mean we we, we had all this early on didn't we, with a uh, doji challenger in the early early days of the game still a really good card but holy cow was like warping at that time yeah so, like but but why one fate is a one. You you have some one fate events that are powerful things. Soul Brian reproach, right? Um, calling in favors. Those are very swingy. It doesn't seem to me, and I think this is this is Chris's point. Is it doesn't seem to me that the move in move out events are as swingy as that as those. I'd, I'd agree in general. I think, yeah, but I think you make the you've got the point there. That, you know, designers have a have encountered situations where those things have been. They've seen because, like I said, it's a power multiplier. When I talk about recycling a guy, mm-hmm. you know, when you've got the single big dudes involved, the ability to change where they are in a conflict becomes a massive multiplier to their ability. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe the cost on those cards is a slight encouragement towards being a little bit more swarmy, a little less focused on the single big guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. let's look at a couple of specific cards. You know, what about challenge on the fields? Challenge on the fields, what, move somebody out? It's a zero-cost event. Mm-hmm. Uh, it requires a duel. Um, and then, uh, so it says, duel, uh, during a conflict, initiate a military duel. Resolve the duel, giving each dueling character plus one military strength for each other participating character, controlled by the same player until the end of the du- duel. Move the duels loser home. Yeah. So it's it's a pretty complicated effect, but it's a it's a zero cost event, and that's an but interesting... it requires winning the duel. Well, it's an interesting um, toolbox, isn't it? Because as we were saying there, you can you have to pay a fair cost to move one of your guy own guys home, whereas that card allows you to go. Situation's great, blam! I'll I'll force my guy to lose and move him out. So I'm seeing I'm 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 really interested in seeing a lot of dueling cards where you don't necessarily want to win, you just want to duel. In fact, very often you want to lose in some of these ones, you know, whether where the effects are a little less obviously and the guy dies, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, that's an interesting one there. It's it must be the situation situalization. Listen to me. Situationizing. Yeah, I'm not gonna get that phrase out of the Situationalized. Or it's Saturday you know, morning, guys. Jeez, we know we don't normally start I don't know something about leaving the leaving the building until around this time. So So let's or another, there's another card. Um, even the odds, which is Lion zero cost event action during a conflict if you control fewer participating characters than your opponent choose a character you control 
move that character to the conflict. If that character is a commander, honor it. Yeah, I mean... I'm th- I, hmm. So there are some low-cost movement cards in the game. There aren't many of them. Yeah. But but most of those, the the ones we've talked about, are are offensive in nature. Well, at least at least can be, yeah. Well, well I guess you, I guess I challenge on the field could be defensive. In nature. You're 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 either moving somebody home <clears throat> on the opponent. You're you're moving either you're either moving an opponent's character home or you're moving one of your characters in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's like. I mean, on the retreat one there, I think the it's that that one fate cost is is FFG's view of um the of doing that versus the situalization, situational. God above, I can't. Situational. Remember, can I? situational. The word is Thank situational. You, this from. <laughs> yeah, the situational nature of um of the other cards, because you know, like the first one you mentioned, the uh, the dual one has quite a lengthy amount of text to be when this happens and how it fires, right? Right. Really, so yeah, so maybe that's the maybe that's the nature of the beast of retreat there if you did make it zero it becomes well cool i won't use i just don't look at the other one and it's a neutral you're saying as well in the case of retreat right 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 yes so maybe maybe that's just the the slightly binary nature of fate cost is this, we, we, we'd love to make it cheaper but we can't make it ever so slightly more expensive than the previous well, one well i'm just thinking about this so i have the in the crane deck that i'm playing i have uh taka hero i think that's taka hero yeah uh, the zero zero controls says you can't be def- attacker defender, and then I also have the Tingu Sensei, which says when you you choose a character with with his covert, that person cannot be declared as an attacker, right? So in effect, those are two of the very same effects. Like when I choose somebody to covert, they can't be declared as the defender, and neither can they be declared as an attacker for the rest of the round. <laughs> so that's a doubling up of the effects. So what if it's these these movement tricks are a control deck of basically puppet stringing your opponent's characters, right? You're trying to get your opponent to overcommit, and then you pull back and you go oh, somewhere yeah. else. Kind of like chasing the sun, but not with, without the, the chasing the sun card. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm referring to when I talk about the smoke and mirror style plays. Exactly that is getting someone's getting someone to, and it's also what I'm referring to when I'm talking about the FFG mind game style play, is for get, trying to get your opponent to commit resources to something that was fruitless. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, that's I think it's, yeah, what's going you're right. When you talk about the extra the extra yeah. conflict one, is that on the on the side of the person doing the controlling, there's literally no loss. They get the whole conflict back and less defenders than they would have got. You know, less opposition. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think that's exactly where the movement stuff is going, and I think they've seen snowballs like that that roll out of control really, really fast and cause enormous swings. So they felt there had to be balancing costs. Uh, has the meta proved them wrong? Possibly, <laughs> but it wouldn't be the first nor last. You know, so you know, hard to say. And maybe you're right. Maybe people haven't realized that and haven't really gone in on those type of tactics. If anything, I think Unicorn can pull that crap more than almost anyone else. Yeah, and they already they already have it, right? It's already yeah, yeah. so. I think part of this is there's a there's an effort by the designers to give some of those skills to other clans through neutral cards, mm-hmm. but because they're neutral and because <laughs> they don't want them to become abused, they set the the cost a little bit high. Yeah, then you know what? Yeah, I think you're right. The neutral tax. That is the that is the reasoning here, isn't it? Right. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't cost any influence. It's not forcing you to pick a certain clan. It's just splash, so it's the neutral tax. Yeah. yeah. And maybe you know, maybe this would have been better with. I think what happens is these cards end up being not worth one fate, but half a fate. So what can yeah. you do to make the card worth one fate? So I'm thinking about like retreat. The astute warrior who lives reaps three victories over the Felushtar. So so based on this quote, why not say during a military conflict, choose a participating character you control, move the character home, then honor it, right? Like, Ouch, okay, you're going for a stronger version than I was thinking. I was thinking <laughs> of moving, moving one or more, one or two characters home maybe. Right, well, right. Additional right. Fate, oh, yeah, yeah maybe, you, maybe you can th- then move an additional character home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you may move uh, another character uh, you control home. So That's you're... Calling, we're pulling one person back, and then you can call a second person back if you want. Yeah, but I think you've hit it on the head there. Is my feeling is is the when I was talking about the binary nature, that's exactly that. You can't make a card cost half a fate. Right. You'd like to sometimes, I think, but you know. Well, uh, that would make retreat too powerful in relation to a lot of the other movement cards. I think. 
quite possible. Look at Outwit and Route. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah. You know, those Rout. say, you know, choose in the case of Outwit, it's political. In the case of Route, it's military, but choose a an opponent's character with lower skill than a participating either courtier or bush you control. Move the chosen character home. Those are core set cards. Those sort of are sort of the kind of the, you know baseline neutral movement cards. Defensive movements as well. Yeah, yeah. and they're one fate each. Yeah, but there's those are move those are move home. When you're retreating, you're you're weakening your position. Yeah, there is a cost there. Right. So so when you're outwitting or routing somebody, you're strengthening your position, and mm-hmm. there's an additional requirement of having to do that. Because you're strengthening your position, the additional requirement is that you have a higher military or higher political skill, right? Retreat, you're also strengthening your position. Yeah. Not in the conflict. You're not Not, strengthening your position in the conflict. Yeah, long-term you are. Long-term you You are. You are strengthening your board state and weakening your opponent's board state. Uh, That is a strengthening maneuver. I would argue that that's not necessarily the case. If If you go in, if you go in with the idea that you're going to break... And your opponent comes up with something, you go in with ten strength, and your opponent only has a few points of defense. And your opponent comes in and says, "Okay, we're going to do this, that, and the other thing." And they surprise you with two or three cards. Then, then all of a sudden, you're not breaking, and your entire point had been to break. Then you're like, "Okay, now I got to back off, right?" So um, you're not going to use retreat in that. At that well, time. actually, right in that case, there you probably are because. Retreat, that's a perfect time for retreat. You are strengthening your position in the long term. You're right. not wasting the guy you've used and you'll have him to use him later in the turn. You're not, maybe you don't retreat so that you lose the conflict, but maybe you retreat so, so you're like, okay, I'm winning by four. It takes five to break, so I'm going to retreat this guy that allows me to win by one or win, yeah. win with yeah, a tie exactly. score, yeah. right? So that's that, but but, but you could also go in that. and say, I'm going to, I'm going to guess, you're, you're guessing that he's going to defend with, 15 and and or you're you're gonna guess that he's gonna defend moderately and he goes all in on defense because he has something that you don't know of and you're like oh crap i'm overwhelmed i need to get back so sometimes you are so so it's it's very situational as carl has been really challenged to say the word situational (laughs) right like (laughs) so Sometimes retreat, it really is like, oh, crap, I don't want it. my characters to die in this duel fest. <laughs> right? I don't want to lose all the honor in my wor- in the world in this duel fest. And maybe that's what it is. Right? Well, the way I see it being used more is you're in a situation where and maybe you're outnumbered, maybe you're not. Maybe there's some weird tricks your opponent's doing. I don't know. But looking at the board state, huh. My opponent is going to bow out most of their characters or all of their characters. I'm going to pull this one guy back so that I can either, you know, keep better standing glory or I can go in next conflict and have, you know, either little or no opposition from, you know, for the break. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I'm- I look at it as, you know, not so much a, oh shit. I, I, my opponent did something funky, so now I have to try and save as much as I can. It's I look at it more of a, as a strategic card of, you know, how how much of a head fake can I play to get my opponent to overcommit, and I can pull back and go come back stronger later. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say that maybe that's the one of the things I think we've definitely hit on with all this is that uh, we. We as players and the and the, the deck building world at large sees a situational cost of using those cards, whereas the designers have hit the situations the, the, the have hit those situational moments when it's been very powerful, and maybe that's the disconnect we're we're hitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so then um, we only have a few minutes left. We we the three of us have been talking about this offline for months now, which is. When do we think rotation is coming? We're getting so many cards this year. And there are uh, quite a few of those restricted list cards that are on that are in the Imperial cycle, the first cycle uh, that was six and six. And so you and I, the three of us have talked about when rotation might happen. So I wanted to publicize our thoughts and, and get them out there. Uh, what do you guys think? 
Well, I know what you think. Why don't you share it with the rest of the world? (laughs) I'm less sure about how soon it's going to be, but I think the reason I'm less sure is how quickly we got cards. Like we, we have a, we, we have a sense of time for how quickly rotations happen before. Right. And that sense of time doesn't really match up to how L5Rs operated because we've had quiet patches and deluges of cards. We're getting a, as we said, a card NATO this year, to say the least, well and truly. I don't know, honest answer. I'm kind of, I'm, I'd be curious to see what the state of the game is like end of this cycle, end of inheritance. And then mm-hmm. I, I think then we'd have, I'd have a better idea of when we're likely to see rotation. Okay. That's my feeling. When that and the clan packs are out, like that, that, that might give a feel of, oh, the game has changed a whole ton. Mm-hmm. Rotation's probably on the way. Oh, the game hasn't changed a whole ton. Rotation might be further off. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Right. I, I think. I think Tyler is more aware of what's going on and, and, and more in touch with the, the the meta and the state of the game than others have been in the past. So I think we're not going to see rotation until we start to see some, you know, stilting and stagnation in the card pool. Mm-hmm. Like we, we didn't see rotation until Netrunner just hard stagnated and was just a horrible meta and it was five years old when they when they did the revised set yeah but it was also what 1200 ish cards old or something Mm -hmm. something around that yeah so which was too long to wait that's i think that's what what's what's generating at least for me this idea let's 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 talk about rotation is that that was way too long they could have pulled the trigger at year four and it probably would have been much much healthier game uh, leading up to rotation. When you, when you, when you that. say that, do you, do you feel it was literally too temporally long, like too many years to wait, or was it a matter of the size of the pool? Because that's the difference here is we've got cards that are completely... They're, they're, confounding, they're confounding variables, right? So the longer yeah. the time, the more the cards are out. I'm measure, using the measure of cards in the pool. Fair enough, yeah. Because that's, um, that's more my focus, I think, right. as well. Yeah. And so that's where I'm, I'm sitting here, like after all the clan packs are out, and then we would presume a cycle or two comes in 2020 2020 that tells you my 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 uh my academic thinking i was talking about 2021 yesterday and i had to stop and ask myself what year it was <laughs> uh, so this but but 2020 might bring a couple more cycles which is you know another few hundred cards and so like imperial at that point will be 3 years old you know late 2020 imperial will be 3 years old and they can do whatever they want. They can do a revised set, which is th- th- has proven successful in the past. So that would be kind of the default that they'd have to justify coming off of. I think they could just rotate one cycle. You know, just rotate Imperial at the end of 2020. It's like Imperial is no longer being considered for competitive play. Mm-hmm. Right? Because your Feast or Famine and, so, and Fate Worse Than Death those were in the those are there they'd be just taken out we people would be forced to work with other things and maybe that would by default strengthen some of the the core set cards again or make them the strong ones even stronger so Um, but i think 20 late 2020 is my guess you know thinking about myself now and i don't think many many players think in these terms and i've brushed up against it more having seen so many different lcgs and other card games Part of rotation from FFG's viewpoint is the ability to open up card space for new stuff, right? You know, you mm-hmm. kick out part of Imperial Cycle, which now means you can release cards you wouldn't release otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, the restricted list problem, as it were, making sure you've got design space. So for me, if I was going to make a prediction, it's not going to be a temporal-based one as such. I would say they rotate just on or just when they want to make big um, faction or clan changes. Like we talk about bringing in Shadowlands, or you know, discussing Mantis or things like that turning up as new factions, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's when you rotate. So there's a related question that I wanted to to throw in here. Is the restricted list working? I think so. Yeah. So as, as long as the restricted list works, do we need to rotate? Uh, well, once the restricted list starts getting too long, and especially if those cards start showing up in particular cycles as a group, I think the road, I think that would that would um, push to rotate. But Carl's point is a good one, which is when they wanted open design space for other things, mm-hmm. right? 
So yeah. that's a fair point there. The restricted list is doing that job as well, but it's doing it on a gentler scale and mm -hmm. a reactive scale, right? Whereas rotation is saying, no, cool. We do a reset on where we are with regards to cards we feel we need to move out the pool and we move in brand new ones. Yeah, so but I think you make a fair point. The if, if the restricted list is getting to the point where it's too long, I think it's no longer working. And then, then that's the kind of place where, yeah, a rotation is the fix to that problem. That's right. what I'm getting at. Yeah. yeah, the restricted list is no longer working when even a, not even a new player, but a regular player can barely go, is that on the list? Wait a second, what's on the list? You know, when there's huge amounts of stuff going in, then clearly it's no longer doing its job and it's a, it's a stopgap patch for a massive bursting leak, right? You know? Right. Right. So, yeah, but yeah, that'd be my feeling is when um, when they're when they're ready to make a big shakeup in the game, I think that's the time you want to do you functionally want to do a rotation because it allows you to do stuff you wouldn't normally be able to do. All right, cool. Well, good luck to those people. Hey, hey, Doug, do you want to say anything else about uh, rotation? No, I no? think I'm, I've said all right. it all. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so good luck to those people in Atlanta, Birmingham, and uh, Seattle at their cotes. Um, and thanks to all our Patreon supporters. If you're interested in supporting our efforts, check out patreon.com slash outofwarcast. One programming note, uh, I will be out. We will be doing other things. It was a challenge to schedule this, even to just record remotely for us. Uh, but the next couple of weeks are going to be uh, really busy for the two or three of us. And so we're going to take a bit of an extended break. We'll be back in three weeks. But in the meantime, uh, enjoy the summer, play a lot of games, and have fun. Yeah. I was going to say, we tend to have a quiet period across the summer. I don't think we've acknowledged it, but it, it tends to happen. If a, break, if a break happens with us, it's a summer one, right? Yeah, yeah. Family trips, uh, little vacations here and there, uh, yeah. little things. Oh, and by the way, do register for Gen Con. I will be at Gen Con this year uh, with Jason, and I look forward to... Uh, meeting and talking to a lot of folks and having some fun definitely cool if you would like to join the discussion have ideas for future episodes feedback or questions you can contact us at artofwarcast at gmail.com via twitter at artofwarcast via facebook or leave a comment in the episode's comment section please review us on itunes it helps other rokugami find us thanks for listening and remember honor, honor is the deadliest, deadliest weapon, weapon.